0: Talk about celebrating the win. <clears throat> Did you see a football game last week? <laughs> so uh, there's some happy Ohio State fans here. So the we're in an Advent Christmas season. season. Advent is all about like waiting and expectation, uh, just like some Alabama fans are today. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen for you. Just gonna make that call right now. How many of you uh, how many of you are good at calling it? it? may just man, you just have this knack of like, psh, I can pick it. I can call it. Daniel, you can call it. Alright. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um uh so uh Everybody has their. I don't know if you watch college football, but there's all these predictions about who's going to be in the playoffs and who's going to be out. Everybody's trying to call it. Let's get. Let's go ahead and go fast forward. Like, who's going to win the college football playoff this year? Who's going to win the championship? Anyone want to call it? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Maybe. Okay. All right. Ohio State's over there. Not. They're no, Like, if you ever been to that place, you don't want to call it because you might jinx it. If I call it, come on. Be brave. Be proud. Uh, what about the, what about Super Bowl? Yeah. Anyone want to call it? Who's going to win the Super Bowls here? <laughs> Fight <Find> it out. <laughs> Speaking of Advent, of season of waiting and expectation, I'm a Cowboys fan. And so, like, <laughs> I, I get Advent, man, like, just waiting and waiting and waiting. No doubt about it. Um, let's, uh, let's fast forward. Who's going to be the next president? Anyone want to call it? Somebody said anyone. <laughs> 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 fight it, fight it up. Oprah, <laughs> okay? Maybe. All right, so uh, let's go. Uh, let's go further out. Um, let's do, let's do it this way. Um, how about Super Bowl? Who's going to win the Super Bowl in the year 2717? 700 years from now. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Anyone want to venture uh, who's going to be president 700 years from now? Anyone want to venture a guess? Just just throw things out there. A random a robot maybe. We're all going to be robots by then, I think. I don't know, like it's, it's hard to imagine and think that far out, isn't it? Like, it, it's, it's really hard to imagine. It's, it's hard to imagine that, hey, we're already, you know, just a few weeks away from Christmas. We're, you know, like, time is this interesting thing. But it, it's, it's hard to predict, you know, even flipping a coin. We're only right half the time, you know, maybe half the time. But there's this thing that happens um, In the Bible, where the men of God call it. In the Old Testament, we find the story of of God's chosen people, the Israelites, the, the Jewish people, God's chosen people. And if you read your Old Testament, man, they, they have some really good moments. They have they have some shining, bright moments where they really represent God well and His kingdom well. But if you really look at the second half of your Old Testament, the uh, even the time up into the New Testament, things get pretty dark. It's a time of pain and sorrow. In the, in the span of time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's, there's about a 400 year time frame in there. And in that time of span of time, the people of God, the people of Israel, are under the tyranny of six different governments, six different kingdoms, control them and make decisions for them. And, and frankly, each one is a little bit worse than the one before. In the second half of, of the Old Testament, we see the city of Jerusalem, God's place on, on earth, the place where his temple is. We see the city of Jerusalem, the temple is under siege. At points, uh, uh, God's people are, are surrounded by enemies, locked in the city of Jerusalem, and they are starved to death. There's even stories of Jewish women cooking and eating their own children. They're so hungry. At other times, the temple of God is looted and polluted. At times, the pigs are brought in and sacrificed on the sacred holy altar of God. And even the temple itself is destroyed. The second half of the, the Old Testament is, um, is dark. God's people are under attack, they're enslaved. They're manipulated, they're abused, they're exiled. And it seems every year is worse than the year before. But out of that pain and desperation, God speaks. He he gives his voice to some individuals, some various prophets. And these prophets, they, they make a prediction, they make a call, they, they offer a, a promise of God that there will be a moment in time when things change. I encourage you to check them out. In the Old Testament, there are uh, roughly five dozen very specific Prophecies that point to a some some future moment in time where things will be different. Here's a sample in Isaiah in chapter nine. Uh, it says this. It says nevertheless that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with, what's that word? Glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Keep going in verses six and seven, it says this, maybe you've heard this before. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make... This happened. Into the darkness and despair, into a, a people who have been abused and starved and enslaved and exiled, God speaks this word, this promise, this prediction through the prophets. And the promise is one day the Messiah would come. Now, it's hard for us to imagine. This uh, this place of longing and desperation, uh, because uh, I know we complain a lot, but frankly, we live in a pretty good place, right? No one's enslaving us, and, and no one's putting us in exile. We have the freedom to, to be here and worship today. Like, like. Overall, things are pretty good. And so it's hard for us maybe to understand and and grasp the desperation of God's people in the Old Testament. But But I'll put it to you this way. When Israel, when the Jews, when God's people said their prayers at night, they never neglected to pray for the Messiah. And every day... They had their thoughts turned to him because the messiah would again establish god's people who would bring about god's kingdom on earth for the people of the old testament for god's people the messiah represented every hope and dream he would set the jews free and right every wrong and it's into this situation, it's into this suffering, waiting people that the gospel of Matthew speaks. We're going to dive into Matthew's gospel over the, the next couple of weeks. And uh, I, I, I do this hesitantly because uh, the gospel of Matthew is not very Christmassy. <laughs> um, uh, let me put it to you this way. Uh, In the Gospel of Matthew, in the nativity story of Matthew, in the the Messiah story of Matthew, there's no shepherds or cuddly farm animals. Um, In Matthew's nativity, there's no manger. I hate to break it to you, but Jesus is in a house. I know that just ruined your whole Christmas. You've got to redo all those little nativity scenes. Um, Angels do appear in Matthew's nativity, sure, uh, but... Not singing in fields, instead an angel appears to the father of Jesus, to Joseph only. Uh, Matthew begins with a very, very, very exciting genealogy. Starts with Ancestry.com. Uh, Matthew's uh, nativity starts with a, Joseph, uh, a man named Joseph attempting to divorce a uh, Uh, The woman, uh, he's engaged to be married because she's pregnant. Uh, We do get a star, and you you have magi in uh, in Matthew's gospel. But unfortunately, the star actually kind of becomes a target, uh, and it eventually leads a tyrannical king to commit genocide of all the infant boys two years and younger in the city of Bethlehem. And Jesus and his family, as a result, become refugees in a foreign land. See what I mean? Not very Christmassy. Instead, in Matthew's gospel, instead in his uh, nativity story, Matthew gives us something very different. But I don't want you to miss the power of it. I just want to share a couple of verses with you from the first two chapters of Matthew. We're just going to go through these quickly. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, it says this. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Keep going in the next uh chapter and verses 5 and 6 it says in Bethlehem in Judea they said for this is what the prophet wrote and you O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Keep going. The night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother and they stayed there until uh, uh, sorry and, and they stayed there until Herod's death This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Keep going. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. And last one. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. You pick up a theme there? In the first two chapters alone, you have five times Matthew says, this fulfilled something. This fulfilled what the prophets had said. Remember all of that longing that's in the Old Testament. Matthew's trying to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment Of those five dozen prophecies, some 700 years before the birth of Christ, Matthew says, this Jesus is the one who is the fulfillment of God's promise. So this is pretty unique and, and interesting and, and maybe unique for maybe you have friends who have questions about faith or or the validity of Jesus or maybe they don't know what they believe. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what you believe. So, so this is actually pretty interesting because... In the Old Testament, there are five dozen prophecies roughly about the coming of the Messiah, prophecies that, that point to Jesus. These prophecies are taken hundreds and hundreds of years, or given hundreds and hundreds of years in advance. That'd be like us trying to predict who will win the Super Bowl in, in the year 2717. So there are people who have done this math. So what's the probability that that one person could somehow fulfill these prophecies, right? Almost five dozen prophecies in the Old Testament. What's the probability that one person could actually fulfill all these things 700 years later? Are you with me? All right, so Lee Strobel, this, this pretty awesome Christian guy, he got together with a group of mathematicians. They had 600 mathematicians work on this problem, right? on the probability that Jesus could fulfill all of these prophecies. And here's the math they came up with. They couldn't do all 60 because those numbers are just too much. But the the probability that one person could fulfill even eight of the prophecies, just eight of the nearly 60 in the Old Testament, they did the math, and the probability is one in 100 million billion. All right, so I know that's a lot. Uh, so one in 100 million billion is a one with 17 zeros after it, right? So these are incredibly long odds. And, and the example that even Lee Strobel gives in his book is um, imagine the surface of the earth is covered in white tiles, one inch by one inch white tiles, right? The entire surface of the earth And under one of those tiles is a gold star. Now, the odds of you picking that one gold star out of all of the tiles covering the entire surface of the earth, you know what the odds are? One in a hundred million billion. One with 17 zeros behind it. And yet, don't miss the weight of this. In the very first chapters of Matthew, he shows that Jesus is, remember what he says. He says it again and again and again. He says, this fulfilled what the prophets had said. Now, some of you are thinking, well, maybe, maybe Jesus could have you know, somehow manipulated it, which I don't know, how does a child manipulate where he is born and the events surrounding his birth. Maybe some of you are saying, well, it was just a coincidence. Well, it was a coincidence, one in a 100 million billion. Luke will later say, Jesus will say later in Luke, he said, everything written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I don't want you to miss what's happening in Matthew. Like his, his nativity is very different. but Matthew wants you to see the fulfillment of God's promise hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in advance. Matthew's purpose is, it's verse 18 of chapter 1. If you want to look for yourself, it's this. This is how Jesus, the what? Messiah was born. Messiah means, it's Hebrew for anointed one. It's the language of a king and kingdom. Matthew says very simply, all of that waiting and all of that pain and all of that expectation, all of that is Fulfilled is realized in the birth of Jesus Christ. Matthew's goal is to show Jesus is the Messiah. The fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of every hope and dream and prayer. Are you with me? So, Advent has traditionally been, um, uh, or or traditionally looks at three comings. I know that maybe this is a little bit hard for us to imagine. So traditionally, Advent celebrates three comings. The first coming is the one that Matthew talks about. It is the fulfillment of prophecy. It is the coming of Jesus in the flesh in Bethlehem. And so every Advent, every Christmas season, and, and even we have our Advent candles here today. Uh, I know maybe this wasn't a tradition you grew up, but the, the first Sunday of Advent, which is today, is the, is the first candle. It is the candle of hope, but it is also the candle of prophecy, specifically the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus so the first coming we remember in Advent is the coming of Jesus in the flesh. The second coming that Christians remember in Advent is the coming of Jesus in our hearts. It's the Emmanuel coming. You remember Emmanuel if you remember, the, the book of Matthew is, is very focused on this idea of Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Even, even kind of bookending his whole gospel, his story of God. He tells that when Jesus is born, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And at the very end, if you, remember, if you fast forward all the way to the end of Matthew, get to the very end, Jesus himself says, go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them and then remember. What's he say? I with you, even to the end of the age. So we, we also, in this season, we remember and celebrate Christ coming in his birth, but also, if we celebrate him coming in his birth and, and miss the coming in ourselves, then, then we've missed something big. Are you with me? And it's so easy for us to look back, but we also must look to now, to here, today, in our lives, And I I think it, and, and, and I don't want to be negative at all because I think Christmas is awesome and I love it and it is worth our time and our effort to celebrate. But in all of the lights and shopping of Christmas, we can miss this piece the easiest. That Christ has come in us. Finally, the third coming is the one yet to come. Christ has come and is in the flesh in Bethlehem. He's come in us and our hearts when we live out the truth of who he is. But Advent also speaks of another coming. And all three Advents say this, have this incredible message that, that this time, this space, like, like where we're we at, this is not it. I think maybe sometimes we get way too um, uh, comfortable and content with this space that we're in. Are you with me? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, we, sometimes we're like, well, this is it. Like, this isn't, this isn't so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm good here. No, no, no. But Advent comes to shake all that up and say, no, 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 no. Like, don't get too comfortable. Because there is more yet to come. There is more to this story. There is more to God's promise and what he offers than what you have now here in this moment, in this space. In Jesus, in Matthew, he uh, not only is he the fulfillment of prophecy, but he becomes the prophet. All right, so if, you're gonna be really, if you want to be really brave, I'm going to give you the most un-Christmassy passage to read for Christmas. All right? Uh, this week, if you're really brave, read Matthew chapter 24 and 25. It happens right before Jesus' death. He's about to be taken away and led to the cross And in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus tells his disciples about his second coming. He said, there are gonna be things you don't understand and there's gonna be stuff that's happening, but I don't want you to lose this promise. You see how important that is? The fulfillment of prophecy becomes the prophet and says there is more to this story and then he gives us the most Advent-like like, uh, instruction ever. He said, I, I want you to look back. I want you to look where you're at. But I also want you to look to the future. And when you look to the future, he, he says, here's your job. It, it's the job of Advent. It's the job of every Christmas, every Christian this season. He says, I want you to wait. And I want you to be Ready? Advent should inspire in us, draw up out of us some some sense of of being ready. Advent says, I I want you on the edge of your seat, leaning in, ready for this future that God will bring, because we have seen him bring it already in the birth of Jesus. He says, there is more to come. I want you to be there's a woman on our street. She's like mega pregnant. She, she actually just gave birth, but but last week she was mega pregnant, and she was like two weeks past like her due date. So I don't know if you've been around pregnant women. <laughs> Man, there, there's so much, per, like pregnancy teaches us so much about Advent. Like, like this is the perfect example. So uh, it, it's some of my my own limited experience, but like like pregnant women, there there is a season of your pregnancy that you really enjoy, right? There's a season of your pregnancy that that you're really you're you're glowing and you're you know like you're I'm just pregnant and I'm nesting and you know what I'm saying like there's a season of your pregnancy that like, man this is super this we're waiting and we're excited and uh, and and then there's this other season of your pregnancy that kind of comes near the end. <laughs> And it's where our, this our our neighbor was this last week. She was like, "I am so ready for this thing to come." <laughs> right? <laughs> Have you seen this? Like, I love it. Like, and and she was having those those uh uh those teaser contractions, those you know what I'm saying? It, what, Braxton Hicks, is that what they're called? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like. Okay, here's a moment. Like, no, 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 no. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's. Like, I love the, like, kids in the womb are playing jokes on Moms already, You know, like, and every night for a week, this woman is having Braxton Hicks. Every night for a week. And, I mean, she is walking around like so, you know what I'm saying? And you could see with every step, it was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could just see it in her. And Jesus says, Man, that's, that's right where I want you to be. I want you right in that space, ready for everything that God has promised. Like, do you know, like all these promises of God that that the, the Lord saves? Do you know that that's right there? That it, it's 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 right here, ready for us. And even the disciples say, Oh man, that sounds great. When's that gonna happen? When's that gonna get to come? And Jesus says, Well, you don't get to know. You don't get to know. Your job is to be ready. And I think there's so much joy for Christians in the waiting. I think there's joy for us there. So, challenge for you this Christmas, this Advent season, we're going to dig deeper into Matthew and talk about kings and kingdoms, we're going to talk about all of these things. Even Jesus, when he teaches us to pray in Matthew, he teaches us the most Advent prayer you could ever pray. Do you remember what he says? He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And I love what the New Living Translation says, soon. Do you see the Advent expectation prayer in that? So your job as Christians, men and women of God, men and women trying to seek who God is and and discover the true meaning of Christmas is to discover the true meaning of Christmas. I think every year it gets harder. Have you seen that? Um, As as our world, as our culture gets more and more excited about all the consumerism of Christmas, man, it becomes harder and harder for us to find that true meaning. So I ask you, maybe the the question as we begin this Advent season is, what are you waiting for? Have you become too content with with this world and this life and, and the way things are today? Are you on the edge of your seat leaning in? Are you, are you looking back at the birth of Jesus but, but neglecting what he is here to do today in your own heart? What are you waiting for? When you look at the birth of Jesus, what do you see? Was it just a baby that happened to be born in a manger? Was it the fulfillment of some long-awaited promise? A promise that was fulfilled but is also being fulfilled and is, is yet to be fulfilled. I invite you this Christmas, this Advent, into longing and waiting for the Messiah. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for its power to speak to us. I pray that the, the truth of Matthew and the things that he brings to light would um, would remind us again to look to you, to consider the true meaning of christmas to to consider what it not not just what it meant but what it means and 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 let that shape our season let that shape our decisions on on the gifts that we buy and and the way that we treat others father god as we wait in traffic and as we wait in lines father god let us wait on you father god let us look expectantly towards the future that you've promised let us pray May your kingdom come soon and in every possible way we can, Father. Let us bring about that kingdom. Start it today. Begin it today in our hearts and our lives. And maybe that just means that we need to say a, a, a prayer of, of asking forgiveness and confessing our sins and moving to a place of repentance. Father God, our, our world is desperate and it's it's as desperate today for the birth of your son as it was thousands of years ago. Give us this, let let us cling to your son Jesus and carry him boldly into the season. Father God, we love you. Help us to again consider your promises and trust them. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, Men.